Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Psalm 133 and 1. I'm going to dive right on in this morning. Folks, we've, we've been the last couple of weeks, I told you that we were entering into to what I call the season of the blessings of giving. We've heard some great, we, Brother Walters ministered to us last week. And you know, if you listened, if you paid any attention at all, it wasn't about just money. As a matter of fact, that was the smallest part of the whole story. But we're talking about giving. And, and so surrender, what Sister Tan just spoke of, the surrender in the giving. Coming here and be willing to shake the shackles and give God everything. That's part of stewardship. That's the real element of giving and stewardship. And we're, what we're doing is we're working towards this unity that's developing. See, the more that we're on the same page, working for one another, just like the song said, oh my goodness, that we're, we're a family and we're drawn together and there's unity there. And then from there, God can direct us to our purpose and to your purpose. If you're struggling and fighting back and forth between life, you haven't quite gotten your purpose nailed down yet. What are we doing this for? Why are we here? Why are we in this building? Why do you listen to this goofball that gets up here every week and, and shouts and jumps and spits too much? What are, what's it all about? When we get that unity, when we get together, when we get on the same page, then God brings purpose. Amen. And all of this has been about just continuing to develop ultimate unity. Psalm 133 and 1 says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Do you feel this pleasant atmosphere? I literally feel like I could go to any one person in this entire room and just take you out to lunch and have a wonderful day and dwell in unity and, and companionship and that understanding of where we are and where we come from. Some of you might be saying, no, you're not taking me out. I'm naive. It's pleasant and wonderful to dwell in unity because from unity, we get purpose. And the title of my message today, if you want to slap one on, is Purpose from Unity. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3 says this, and I'll have you be seated. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Worthy of the vocation. You were not called to suffer and struggle and to be quiet and to be silent in the kingdom, to have nothing to say and nothing to do. You have a vocation. You have a purpose. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to do what? To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know, when you're going through all those struggles in life and you're challenging and you're flustering and all these different things are happening and then, oh, it's Sunday morning, I gotta come in and our arms are pinned to our sides and we just, I got problems I'm working on and I'm just not feeling it today. That type of bondage. But this is talking about the bond of peace where you can walk in. If you're living to the vocation you were called, if you're living to the purpose that he gave you, you can walk in here and the bonds are lifted. And you can raise those hands and just worship and feel that bond of peace. So many of you I had a chance to greet this morning. You can be seated. So many of you that I had a chance to greet this morning. I just feel that, boy, that excitement and that expectation being in the house and that bond of peace. And I'm sorry I missed a few folks, but I, and I'll continue to greet as I can, but I just love to feel that embrace and that handshake and that hug and that bond of peace, that unity that we have. 
If you're still in Ephesians chapter 4, and you can hop down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors, you've all heard this before, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. What does that tell me? Obviously, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a perfect person. Only God is perfect. It means the building up, the strengthening, the strengthening of the saints. What does that say? This says that we've got room to go. We've got places that we can go. That vocation that he's waiting for, that purpose that he wants to give, that perfecting that's there. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, till we all come in the what? The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, every day in every way in what we do, we're striving, we're working towards, we're striving towards that perfection by the stature he gave us. It's the measure that he provided. It's the, the ruler, so to speak, the standard that we stand next to. Now, are we ever going to get there? Probably not. Not until the day that we translate out of here. But for now, we got to keep reaching up to that next place on that standard, that ruler that he set for us. So we can find that place that vocation, that purpose, and that perfect unity that he's looking for. Because from unity comes purpose. Now, I just want to put a couple of things out there for you just to give you an example. Now, next week, Sunday, next week, Sunday morning, and this is for you leaders, but we'll have our second quarterly launch pad luncheon. We kicked off. Now, we put this together as a way to say, listen, we're growing, we're seeing new faces come into the house, and we don't want people to drift, and we don't want people to feel that they're just segregated with a couple folks they ran into when they first got here, or the people that brought them. We want unity. We want them to feel part of the family. Why? Because it's, we get points for that, because God's up there with a scoreboard saying, okay, good job, Cordell, you talked to somebody. No, because we want them to have this victory. We want them to have this thing that we have right? We're desperate for people to get out of that mess out there. Yes. Amen. We're desperate for people to get out of that mess out there and come in here and experience what we just experienced here this morning. That awesome move of God, that wonderful presence of God, that direction and that purpose, that breaking of those shackles and those bonds that sister, that sister Tan just spoke of. Wonderful, wonderful word. We want to share that. And so what we're doing is we're getting together and we're trying to get as many as we can in there each time. But if you've been around for a little while and it looks like you're going to make it a home and you've been here and you're dedicated and you're showing up, but just not quite connected, we're going to go after you. Now, I'm going to use, I'm going to embarrass Quincy, my buddy. Quincy's coming next week, right? Hey, this is his home, right? He's here to stay. Amen. So he's going to be the guest of honor, at, at, at one of the guests of honor at our Launchpad Luncheon. And I'm inviting all of our leaders, our directors, and any pastors that want to be there to come and just make yourself known. Get to know people. There'll be others there. We've got quite a list. But we're going to continue to do that over and over again. Why? Because we're trying to develop the unity of the body, the unity of the spirit, that perfect unity. Why? Because then, as, as he's growing and those other folks are growing and we're growing together with them, I think, I think, Quince, I'm going to embarrass you some more. I think you have a wonderful spirit. You have a sweet heart. And God is going to use you mightily in the kingdom. That's my job to help you with that. Amen. 
So if we don't incorporate that and we don't get him involved and us get involved with him and everybody else that's going to be there and start to work on this unity thing and start drawing people in and becoming part of that family, well, they're not going to find purpose. And then we're not fulfilling this scripture. We're not fulfilling what Paul preached to the Ephesians. November 8th and 9th, we have our leaders rally. It's going to be here at the church. All of our pastors and directors are going to be coming. Uh, it's a potluck, by the way, so plan on, on participating. We're going to save some money this year. But we're going to draw together for the purpose of unity, to get all of us on the same page, to see what vision God's giving for each one of those pastors, each one of those directors, each one of those leaders that are passionately giving in their, in, in their ministries, and how it all draws together under the umbrella of the vision that God has given the pastor leadership. And we're going to vision cast for 2020, and we're going to see where God's going to take us to yet another new step. You see what I mean? It's always about developing that process, breaking those bonds, developing that unity, bringing the people together, because God is about to do some awesome things with this work. I'm going to talk a little bit about Friday night in just a moment, but uh, uh, before I get on to that, I just, again, I want to say that I've been talking about the seasons of giving. And don't worry, we're not, I'm not going to go into a heavy-duty thing on Malachi 3 and all that again. I, hopefully, I laid that foundation for you. I am going to talk about giving, but in the next step, in the next way that God's looking for us. Thanksgiving's coming. We're going to have communion service on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's a time that we're directed to. We celebrate, literally, the process of giving thanks. What does it mean? But in Thanksgiving is the word giving. What a perfect time. And I'll talk a little bit about at the end of this message exactly the challenge that I'm going to roll out to our church, the challenge that I'm placing on myself in this season of Thanksgiving as we roll into Christmas and obviously on into the new year. But first, I want to continue to just propel your faith and that unity in building things together. And I've got a couple of great testimonies that are going to come up here this morning. Sister Andrea, if you would come, and Brother Matucci, if you would come. And I want them to share for you. They stepped forward. They have experienced what, what God has done for them and stepped forward and said, I want to testify. I want to share what God's got and what he's done in my life. And I think, you know what? We need to do this more. In order to build faith with one another, in order to continue to drive what God has got for us to do, well, how can I build you up? How can I build your faith, help you break out of the challenges you have if you're not hearing enough about the great works of God? I want to start working on testimony. I want to start have people step up and say, yes, I want to share what God's doing for me right now. It's going to build faith. It's going to build excitement. It's going to get people on the train. You see what I'm saying? Why don't you come up, Sister Dre? It's not on. Sorry, that was a good intro. That was my fault. There you go. Okay, good morning. That's a little better. I hate public speaking, so having to do it again is extra good. <laughs> um, I'm here to give a testimony about something. I mean, my whole life is a miracle. I've had many, many, many miracles through Jesus, and I'm very grateful for my relationship with him. But our most recent one was October 1st. I don't know if you all know we live in Ottawa. And we were sitting there watching TV about 9.30 at night. Chloe had just gone to bed and our phones start going haywire. And it's a storm warning saying there's a tornado in the area. Usually Jeff and I are just like, whatever. Right. But something, and I know who it was, Jesus said, get Chloe and get in the basement. 
So we woke Chloe up, we went in the basement, and my husband, who's just very like chill, was just lounging around in the basement, and all of a sudden, you hear this sound of, they say a train, it was a train, and the house started shaking, not just like when you get thunder, but like swaying, and the doors inside started slamming, inside the house, and my husband dove over my daughter and I, and he's not the type to be dramatic. And it just sounded like a train. And I just screamed, Jesus, please. And I could hear my husband, you know, praying quietly. And for 30 seconds, it just, I thought, oh, we're in for it. Here goes our roof. We're gone. And then it just went as we were praying. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is not going to be good. Yes, thank you. Jesus said it went and we still have a roof. But I'm thinking, we're in the basement. Who knows what we're going to find up there. So we went up and walked around the house. The house seemed fine, but we're like, okay, well, it's still pouring, which I thought was really weird. You know, I thought it was still and quiet when you got a tornado, but it was raining like crazy, so we couldn't go outside. Well, eventually it slowed down, and my in-laws came over um, to check on us, and they went outside, and we are so blessed. The neighbor to our one side had a tree thrown into his house, and the neighbor on the other side had his whole pole barn taken over. It took out a tree that was about 100 years old in our front yard, but it literally danced around our house and back up and back down and missed everything. So, Bless you, Lord. Yeah, thank Bless you, Jesus. You so I just, I feel so blessed to have him in my life. And I, I honestly, it was a true miracle. They said it was a, a, a baby tornado, like a one, but... I mean, it didn't do a thing. Our boat was outside. All of our patio furniture was outside. Not a thing was wrong. We had someone walk our roof. Not a, not a thing. Wow. So, Praise the thank Lord. you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I might get a little preachy here, so sorry. Um, <laughs> Preach it. How many of you here are is there victory in the house? Yeah. Yes. Because today I've got victory. But I want to know how many of you, how many of you have victory in the house today? Yes. Right Amen. Here. Yes. Bless you, Lord. We're singing that song, Waymaker, and I wish the words were up here because sometimes I forget, but I'm, I'm going to try, but that's okay. But um, the, the verse was Waymaker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, right. light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Right, amen. And I'm standing here with victory today. I stood here, I stood there a year ago, not knowing what victory was. I was in that darkness. And many of you heard that testimony, I don't need to go through it again because... We like to never look back, right? Never look back in the darkness. But we can look forward and and bring victory and claim victory and talk about victory because victory is what we want to hear. Jesus gave us victory and he gave us a life. About a year ago, uh, many of you know I own my own business. About a year ago, my number one largest customer declared bankruptcy. 
And that pretty much set the tone for what my next year was going to be like. When I started my business, the first thing I wanted to do was live in faith. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord. <laughs> I must not have needed it is the problem. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will yeah. direct your path. Yes. That is what I based my, my life, my business, everything on trust and faith. And when you, when you, when you feel like you've lost everything, you, you don't know where to turn. And God really puts faith into your life. When you start saying, well, do I need to, do I need to go out and, and take care of myself and my family and, and, and try to, get, to make do and get back to you? No. No. Because what's faith? Trusting God, Right? And that's what I did. I, this, this scripture has been with me for so long. I, I read the scripture over and over and over as a kid. And I always wanted to trust God with all my heart. But I, I don't think I ever really, really truly lived the trust because I was a kid. You know, but now, God really gave me a, a moment of, of test to say, okay, well, I, I don't think God purposefully put me through this trial. But I think he wanted to know where I stood. Mm, right. I think he really wanted to know, okay, Ron, put your money where your mouth is. But I, was, I was struggling in my normal career. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I, I thought, you know what, this is crazy. I'm in an office and working for somebody else. And I kept saying, God, why am I stuck in an office? This is just me. This is just, my, this is just what I was thinking about. Everybody else has their own plans and ways of working. But me, in my mind, I say, God, I don't want to work for anybody else because I want more time. Time to me is precious. I know time today is precious for you, so hopefully I won't drag this out too long. But I want time. And, and what, what kept going in my mind was time. I want more time with my family, like we all do, but I, I wanted more time to do more for the church. You know, why, why am I walking in this way and teaching my kids this way if, if I can't give more of my time for church? Because God wants me to share more with others and teach others and be with others and to show my family and kids what it means to trust in the Lord with all my heart and to prove it and to show that, to prove it. Well, th this, this trial taught, taught me a lot. I mean, I've, I've grown leaps and bounds in, in this past year um, because when, when we... When we Pretty much that number one customer took, took everything from us because everything within their bankruptcy was my source of living for, that, for like six months. And, and, and by grace, uh, many of you who I call family and friends, um, without I didn't even asking, I didn't even ask for anything, and that's not why I gave the testimony. But there is a lot of love in this church, a lot of love. And, and support, mm -hmm. and and you guys graciously helped, and um, and God provided the whole time. God God provides it in the nick of time. Let me tell you, the nick of time. And, and God was building a lot of trust within in me and my family over time, and when when Jennifer and I started our business. We, we agreed that church was going to be our number one priority. And 
we decided, because, let me just take one step back, and I apologize, but I need, I need to say this. When you, when you take on a position and work your career, I, I, felt like I, was, I felt like I was worth and owed what my education gave me. I felt like I need to make this much money, and I need, I need to have this kind of car and this kind of a house. That's just that's what I thought, you know? And I thought that for many years, and I, and I, I struggled to try to make what I felt I was worth, what I felt I earned. And you, you, try, to, you try to paint this picture of who you think you're going to be, who you think you should be. So when we started our business, we said, you know what? I left the corporate world. I couldn't stand it. I hated it. Never got what I wanted. Always worried about how much I should make. So when I started my business, I started on $10,000. Left the corporate world, got one contract for $10,000. And that was all I was going to have for six months. And I said, I said, God, you know what? I want to put this part of my life aside. I want to move forward. And I don't want to, I don't want to think about how much I make. I'm tired of money. I'm so tired of it. Because it, it can control you. It is one of the roots of all evil, right? It can control you. If you don't have enough of this, then you don't think you're worthy, right? So I decided, you know what? Enough with you money. I don't like money. I can't stand it. Because all it does is make me think all these things. So I took a leap of faith and I said, okay, God, I don't care how much I make. Because it's not the money. It's the time. It's a time to do more for you, for the church, to raise my family, to teach my wife, teaches my kids homeschool, spend more time with our family. And the one thing Jenny and I said when we started, because I read this scripture, and funny thing, funny thing when you read scripture, right? How you recognize other things, and it's been there the whole time, the whole entire time. Proverbs 3, 5 is trust in the Lord, right? Well, little did I know, a few more verses down the way is, and, and Jennifer and I sat down and said this. L listen to the scripture. Honor the Lord with substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so that thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So I said, man, Jenny, I want to do this right. I, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just, you know, pay my tithe just to pay it. I said, God says, give the first fruits. The first fruits. Is that a couple, a couple dollars that trickle down the way or the, the first fruits? I mean, God is great, isn't he? Amen. I mean, Amen. God saved each and every one of you. Right? Don't we want to give the best? The best? Right. right. When, you, when you eat corn and, and the corns fall on the ground, do you go, well, that corn was good, but here's the rest. Corn drip. I don't know why I said corn, but I'm just thinking. A dripping, salty, buttery ear of corn just sounds so good right now. 
Well, I mean, think about that. After you eat your corn, then there's, some, there's a little bit some left in the cob. There's a little bit on the ground. If your kids are eating, they eat, they, they, you know, eat spirals around it, and you get the leftovers, right? I don't know why I said corn, but I said corn. But anyways, this is a good analogy. Corn. So during this trial, and, and actually, as long as our business has been open for business, the way business owners who own businesses, you don't get a steady paycheck every week, especially small businesses like mine. You don't get the same dollar amount every single week that you can count on. So you get a little here, a little there, big here, small there, you know. So it's hard to justify, well, how much can I give this month? I mean, how do you, how do you plan for that? We, we can't. You, you can't plan for that. So what, what we decided to do was how do we give our first fruits is every job that we had, every invoice, we would, you know, subtract all the, you know, here's the taxes for the government. And, and, and before we even paid ourselves, we said, okay, first fruits. Well, we don't, we don't want to take the first fruits. We, we, we want to give that to God, right? So we, we you know, okay, here, government, you get your tax, right? And then, okay, then, then here's how much on every single job. Here's what we give that first fruit of that job to God. And then we pay ourselves, right? Well, going through this trial, you know, we're analyzing pennies, you know, going, oh my goodness, you know, every little, I mean, I didn't have one customer. I mean, if any smart business guy is going to have multiple customers, right? But there are some that are big and small. So as we're going through the small ones, we're going, first fruits. Honor the Lord with substance and with thy first, first, sorry, first fruits of all thine increase. Jennifer and I looked at each other and went, first fruits, wait a minute. And she does a really nice job. She's got good handwriting. She does everything line upon line. Here's how much tax we're going to give the government first. Here much has, here's how much we're going to give the church second. Here's how much we're going to pay ourselves. Now granted, we're, this is through our trial, right? I believe God spoke to Jennifer and I. Probably Jennifer first, because she says, hey, you know what, I'm going through these numbers. I don't feel right about it. I really don't. Because my first fruit, even though it was small at the time, my first fruit was going to the government. The government didn't save me. Government doesn't provide for me. Pfft. Government takes mostly from me. Why, why, why should I give to them first? Right. I was giving my first fruits to the government, and that hurt. That hurt a lot. Now, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe I went through this trial because my first fruits were going to the government, but even when we had very, very little, very little, and even our friends were helping out. God helped us recognize we had the order flip-flopped of where our true first fruits were going. And we did. We flip-flopped it. At that very moment, she went back through everything for that whole entire year. Now, we couldn't go back five, six years because that would just... But we said we honor God. We said, God, this year, this is the year you're showing us a whole lot of Stuff about faith and trust and honor. In the darkness. So we went back. And we said, you know what? We need to make this right with God. 
Not with the government. Not to the government. We need to make this right with God. So she went back through all the invoices from other customers, flip-flopped everything, redid all of our tithes, our taxes, and our paychecks. And we honored God with our first fruits first. The first penny that we made went to my God because he's my way maker. Right. He's my miracle worker. Right. And he is my promise keeper. Because I'll tell you what, why I'm standing here today is victory. Because one year, it took one year to the date. October 15th, 2018 is when my number one customer declared bankruptcy. And I thought I was going to personally declare bankruptcy. My trial started. And I'm here to tell you, one year later, God has fully restored our family. Fully restored our family. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Literally, to the date. We opened up our account on October 15th, and I mean, I had some really good jobs this summer, and you just sometimes you don't comprehend sometimes where numbers line up and things like that. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Every job that I had this summer paid off all debt that Amen. we incurred. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. All debt. I don't owe a bank anything. I don't owe a vendor anything. Clean. And I knelt down here a year ago with a stack of papers this thick, asking God, this is what my number one customer did to me, and I need help. Because if I can't get this paid, then I'm in big trouble, because it's a large sum. And he made a way. He made a way. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That's what we've been talking about. That's what this, this, this whole thing has been about. It's not about, let's just talk about money all the time. Be one of those churches that just takes collections all the time, worries about money. It's talking about the real powerful, effectual things that God wants to do for you. I started the whole series out by saying that I believe that right now God wants to do amazing things in the lives of the people in this church congregation. Things that you have not expected to get you out of that scarcity mentality. Remember I talked about that? To get you to break away from this idea that this is how it's always going to be. I'm always going to struggle. I don't think that's true. Now, I'm not saying that God's out to make all of us a bunch of millionaires. But I'm, what I am saying is, is that he is about to make you a Ron Matucci or an Andrea Dretzka or whatever your testimony is. Why? Why? Why is all that important? Why is all that stuff important? Because if you're not encumbered by those things, if you've completely let, lost the contact and that, and that fear and that control that, that money and possessions and all those things have over you, you can be free 
to be used powerfully in the kingdom of heaven. You can be free to be powerful to reach out to the people that desperately need your testimony, desperately need you to spread the gospel. You see what I'm saying? The mission that we're here for, the purpose, the purpose is what I'm talking about. On Friday night, and by the way, is Dre still in here? Oh, she might have walked out. She's got a future behind the pulpit. She said she wasn't very good at public speaking. I, every time she testifies, she's really good. And I appreciate her testimony as well. Friday night we were here, and thank you to everybody who stepped out here on Friday night for our Fall in Love with Jesus Harvest Party. Phenomenal showing. Tons of people came. I believe we had over 120 people here. Uh, lots of kids. I think we had four new families. I think I greeted probably a dozen or more guests. People from the child care came with their kids. People came from the sign. People came from your invites. Praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. Brother and sister Imel. Brother Imel, come up here for a second. Brother and sister Imel have been working with a lady. Man, I just want to give you a big hug. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Brother Imel has been working with this lady. Her name is Colleen for quite a long time. They, brother and sister Imel, I'm not leaving you out. I just didn't want to give you a big bear hug like that because he'd hit me. But oh, these guys have been working with this lady and they've been constantly bringing me little reports and, and she has a, she has a, a, a challenged child. And, and so they've been ministering with autism. And ministering to her, this lady walked up to me on Friday night at the harvest party to greet me. Sister Imel actually brought her up, beaming, smiling, ear to ear, so excited. Oh, it's so great to meet you, Pastor. I've heard so much about you. And I said, well, Colleen, I've heard a lot about you too. And she said, I really think I want to make this my home. Just like that. Because these people just are excited about what's going on, excited about the move of God, and they're just yeah. sharing testimony and sharing their time. They don't have care about all those other things. Their shackles are off. They, they have no inhibitions, and they just, whoever they can minister to, they're ministering to. Thank you very much for that, buddy. God bless you. Yes, amen. Now, I know there's many of you that are doing this. I know there's a lot of you that are doing this. There's people that routinely open their homes and teach Bible studies. You've heard me many times talk about uh, Brother and Sister Dreska who opened their homes and have taught large groups of Bible studies. Obviously, Quincy is here because of the ministry of the Dreska family. Brother, Brother Jeff Jr. is here because of that. And, 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 and so all of those things working together, new families coming in, reaching out, just completely uninhibited, coming with expectation and believing that these things are going to make an impact on people. And they are. We take this next step and we start believing. That's that unity and that purpose that I'm talking about. If we continue to be unified together on these things, looking to use, and I'm going to talk about uh, uh, the power of giving and, and why we focused on this important trait. You know, Brother, Brother uh, Walters, when he was here last week, talked about the four T's, the four key tenets of giving. And really, the, the, the money part of it was a minor one. He talked about your time and your talents and your treasures and your testimony. Powerful, powerful elements of stewardship that if we get a hold of these things, we can continue to see moves of God in people's lives. Colleen is dealing with a terrible struggle. Her autistic child, she wasn't sure if she's gonna, we're still working on ways that we can bring him to church because it, it can be very, very challenging depending on where on the spectrum that they are and, and, and it can be very difficult and she actually had to leave him home Friday night uh, with a caregiver so that she could come here and just to fellowship with us and get to meet some people and meet the pastor. But 
See, God's calling us to reach out to people like that, that desperately need him. They're hungry. They want to know him, but they've got challenges in their life. They've got things that they're facing. And so giving of that, giving of our time, giving of our talents and our abilities, and I saw it on Friday night. Thank you again to all of you that came and, and participated in setting up in the games and all those things. Yes. Bless you, Lord. But I want to take a step back and talk, and, and I'm going to wrap up because you don't need to hear from me. You heard great testimony today. Uh, but I've just got a couple more points I want to say. Now, the church is an institution. I want you to understand this as we're going forward. The church is an institution, if you will, or as a body led by the leadership, and obviously primarily the senior pastor, we have to be givers too. I have a responsibility. And I'm not talking about my personal life. I'm not talking about my personal giving. I'm talking about as a representation of Abundant Life Apostolic Church, the church. And so many of you may not know, but we do have a consistent giving and an offering that we're responsible for. So for example, we pledge to global missions. And that's a representation of the church. It's not anything specific directly from you per se. And what I mean by that is this, is, is that we're at the different conferences and things that we're responsible to provide some offering. We have missionaries all over the world that are, that are carrying the gospel into terrible, horrible places, dangerous places, places with no food and water and all these different things. And so as the churches of, of this nation, this rich and wealthy nation, we're certainly expected to give. And I have to faithfully provide that. I have to seek God and provide that giving. And that holds true for North American missions, which is our, our missionaries right here in the state of Wisconsin. Men and women that are going out and starting new churches into communities that are currently unchurched. And so I have a responsibility for that giving. And I have a responsibility for some of the other things that we bring to you, some of the things you may not understand and be aware of. For example, Sheaves for Christ will be, excuse me, Christmas for Christ will be coming up very soon. That's part of the home missions effort. That's to help provide vehicles and, and, and funding and equipment and things for these new pastors who are trying to go out and start churches in the unchurched areas right here in our home district of Wisconsin. And so we're going to continue to represent that type of giving. If you participate, that's awesome. God is just going to continue to bless you for that. And so then there's, there's Mother's Memorial, which is, is for missionaries as well, and several other ventures here in the United States. There's Save Our Children, which is a venture of the, the, the Sunday school. And there's Sheaves for Christ, which is a youth-based giving. Now you might say to yourself, my goodness, is that all? This is, church is just all these different types of giving, and it's all just going to be about money? No. What it's going to be about is giving everybody opportunities again and again and again to bless yourselves. Because when you bless the kingdom of God, you see, you can't get a credit line with God. You can't put him in debt to you. You can't give enough for him to say, I can't meet the need. You understand what I'm saying? You can't outgive the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, that's a part of your heart, and that's a part of your worship, and so whether you do or you don't isn't going to be tracked. It's not going to be monitored. It's not going to be part of your grade. You don't get a D minus if you don't give for Sheaves for Christ or Christmas for Christ. It's just simply another opportunity for you and your family to seek what God's got for you and bless you as well as the kingdom, okay? So now I'm just laying all this groundwork so you know how this operation works. God wants you to understand and know how all this works, Okay? So that's what the church is going to continue to do. And so if we have an offering opportunity like that, and you seek the Lord, and you feel, you know, God really wants me to give this, do it. And if not, okay, no problem. But no matter what happens, I as your pastor and this institution will be giving to our global missions. We'll be giving to our North American missions. We'll be giving to save our children. 
We'll be giving the sheaves for Christ, and Christmas for Christ, and Mother's Memorial. You know why? Because I believe that the more that we as an institution give, God is going to bless this place mightily. He's going to open up doors of opportunity to reach out to people we couldn't get to before. He's going to open up opportunities for us to get into our community, places that were previously shut out, opportunities for you to minister and witness. Can I get a hand from somebody, anybody, if you you want to? But if you had the opportunity and God used you to either witness to someone and share the gospel or even to the point where they came to church and got saved, raise your hand. Now, I want to ask you, and you don't have to collectively answer, but when you were used in that way and you saw God work in your life to reach somebody else, was that not the most gratifying, powerful experience of your entire life? Amen. That's what I'm talking about, folks. Now, I know there's many of you. I've talked to people in this church that believe that God could never use me that way. I don't think I could ever teach a Bible study. I don't think God will ever use me to see someone say, people won't listen to me. We're going to defeat that. And from here going forward, this is the end of my season's blessings of giving for this year. And when we go forward, we're going to start to talk about evangelism. We're going to start to talk about how we're going to get people to believe again and believe that they can be used, and come expecting that when the door opens and you give the opportunity to share the gospel, that God will use the spirit inside you to begin to minister to that person, and you will have an impact, and you will see people saved. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I know it's real quiet in here at the moment. All right. I talked about the four T's, the time and talent. I'm encouraging you to be here. Be here. Get involved. So many people recently, I am so thankful since, since last year when we kicked off our new vision, I'm so pleased at the number of people that have stepped up and said, Brother Cordell, I want to give. I feel a passion to this. I, I feel like I need to contribute. I want to be a part of this thing. I saw them here on Friday night giving and working hard and working together as a team and excited. It was a blast on Friday night. We had a ton of fun. And the people that came and the, and the people that were here felt it. And they were having a great time. I know I greeted all of them. You having a good time? Yeah, this is really cool. Hey, that's awesome. Hey, you come on next day. We got service at 10 o'clock on Sunday and so on and so on. We're making an impact, you see? Now, we talked about the, the, the tithe and the offering aspect. And I'm just, I'll trail out at the end here with something I'd like to share with you. And then we'll move forward. But the stewardship that we're, is really at the greatest core of all of this is the stewardship for purpose, as I mentioned at the beginning. We're stewarding our purpose. Money's just a small part of it. It's just to make sure that we give God his obeisance and God, we give him his reverence and we give him the opportunity to bless us. Once you're unchained and unfettered from the money situation, the sky's the limit for you. You have within you the power and the authority. God said it to us this morning. You have the authority to shake this kingdom, to shake this place. The very foundation is built inside you. Romans chapter 8 and 28, you all know it very well, says that we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Ephesians 3 and 7, going through verse 12, says this, is wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. 
okay? God's given you his grace. The effectual working of his power has come. He's made you a minister. It says, wherefore, I was made a minister. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians. According to the gift of grace and the effectual working of his power. You have all experienced that. If you have the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you are a child of the King, you have been made a minister and been given that through his effectual power. Verse 8 says, unto me who, who am less than the least of all these saints. Now this is Paul saying, I'm the worst one. Hey, amen. The least of all of you. You guys, there's more talent in this room than I'll ever wish I could have. But who am less than the least of all these saints is this grace given. God even gave it to me. I'm the worst one and he gave it to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Powerful. And to make all men see what it is, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by, Christ, by Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Okay, that's just a really, really dramatic and very colorful way by saying that with everything, with all the power that God's got, with all of his majesty, by the church, the manifold wisdom of God being given to us according to the eternal purpose, again, purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now, it might be difficult to pile through all of that. You can get an NIV version or a New American version, but basically it's always just saying this, that because of him and through him and his power and his majesty and what he's given to you through grace, he has given you that power. He's given you that access. He's given you that ability for that purpose. You have it. You have it. You can go out and change the world right now. You can walk out of this building and begin changing the world if you just do it, if you accept it, if you believe, if you understand, if you steward the purpose that he's given you. You can walk out of this building today and begin changing lives. Brother and Sister Imel did it. They have a lady that they're ministering to. They're changing her life. We're gonna bless that family. I guarantee you we're gonna bless that family. We're gonna help her with that, that challenge that she has with her child, you see, because they expect, they know, they understand. Many of you do, I get it. But where can we go with it is really what I'm talking about, right? Are you with me? It's super quiet. I didn't, you know, I'm not getting much. Okay, all right. Luke chapter 19 and 10 says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You've heard that before. But you also know that Luke 17 basically tells us that if you're to seek and save your own life, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to lose your life, you'll save it. So that stewarding of that purpose, that giving, yeah, if you're going to hoard up all your money, God's not going to bless you. If you're going to hoard up your time and your talent and your abilities and that grace and that power that Paul was just talking to, the Ephesians, if you're going to hoard all that up and just kind of save it, well, I'm really tired, I really, I, I really just want to... I really want to just reduce my batteries here and I just want to take some time. Somebody else will go do it. Well, if you're going to do that, you're going to lose your life. doesn't mean you're going to die tomorrow, but it was, what it does mean is you probably are in danger of losing out on salvation, losing out on what God's got for you. Because eventually, a pattern that continues like that, you won't know him. You won't have a relationship with him. And he won't know you 
You see what I'm saying? I know it's hard. That's tough language. It's hard to say. It's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to communicate it to you that way. But Jesus himself said it. If you save your life, you're probably going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, for my name's sake, you'll save it. And I want every single one of you to live a powerful, victorious life. I want every one of you to feel the feeling it is to stand by that baptismal and watch the person that you personally witnessed to. You went, you cried with them on the phone and you ran over to the place and got them and picked them up, brought them to church and you dealt with their problems when they called at two o'clock in the morning and all the baggage that they brought and all the stuff that you had to deal with and you're teaching Bible studies and doing all those things and you finally got it through and they're going down in the waters of baptism and they're coming up. And even better yet, when they're standing at an altar of worship and somebody's praying with them and they receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I want everybody in this room to experience that. But you have to expect it. You have to believe that you can do it. You have to get a part of that unity of the brethren. You've got to get a part of that purpose. You see, from purpose, from unity, comes purpose. When we get together on this thing and we're all believing and we're all charged up and we're pretty excited. Sister Tan jumped up this morning and said, I got a word from the Lord and this is exactly what it is. You fed and edified the church. You blessed us with that word because you were willing to do it. That's a talent. God used you in that. So how are we going to do it? And I'm wrapping with this. First, it takes people to reach people. Now we have, I have the stats here by the way, we have a phenomenal mailing program set up. Sister Matucci is our, is our executive, she, she went out and set this whole thing up. Uh, she found out that in the community of five, five mile radius, there's 24 postal routes. We have them all locked in. Brother Ron can produce a mailer, we can get the thing printed, he doesn't even have to walk it over there, he mails it over to the printing pro- place, printing place puts it in. We have the discounted postage for nonprofit organizations, we can determine the routes of all 24, Boom, we can mail all that stuff out to the community and it all could be done in less than a week. 11,209 homes in a five-mile radius around Abundant Life Half South Church. But I'm going to tell you this. Programs, mailers, advertising, websites, and fancy things that we can purchase like billboards, etc. are not going to bring people the way you can bring people. Those things are awesome in that they support the impact and the embrace of our guests. But they will not bring people. That's not the magic tool. It's not, we're going to gather a bunch of money and spend it on websites and advertising. We'll have a website. Brother Courtney's working on a beautiful website that we'll get going here not too long. But those things aren't designed to get people. You get people. I went back and did an analysis of our baptism rolls and our, our Holy Ghost and over the last, I think, five or six or seven years. And I counted it up. And somewhere in the neighborhood of 95%, 95% of the people that went down in those waters were brought in here because somebody like you reached out to someone and brought them to church and, and loved them and partnered with them. That's a fact. And so what does it mean? Just like Paul said, you made me a minister, God. He's made you a minister. People are going to reach people. I'm working on four or five right now. I have a list. We have to be intentional in our thinking. We have to be intentional in doing this. We can't just float through life, walk out of here and say, okay, church is over now, let's go back to life and just do our thing, and gosh, I hope something good happens. Be intentional about what you're doing. Sit down and make a list of every relative that you would love to see saved, every friend that you would like to see saved, that you'd like God to open a door to. Just have a list with you, just in your prayer time every day. Just take a little bit of time and just look that list over and say, God, somehow open a door for one of these people. How long does that take? Five, ten minutes to sit down and make that list? Now, I've got my list, and there are people that I want to reach. There's a friend that I've brought to this church many, many times, and I'm still working on them. 
And oftentimes, God, help me to reach them. Help me to reach them. I don't want to see them lost. But you've got to get intentional and do it. You've got to do the job. Next one, members have to be proactive in evangelism. I was just saying that uh, instruction and witnessing and teaching is coming, by the way. We will hold classes and breakouts. I believe that we can hold inspirational courses, classes right here at our church on a breakout on a Wednesday night. Do you want to learn how to witness? Do you want to know who's been successful at it? Do you want to know how to teach Bible studies? Brother Joel Meyer teaches an awesome Bible study every Wednesday night as a breakout. Go in there and learn how to do it. I'll get you the materials. We'll use some of this great new bounty that God's going to bring into our church to hand you materials. We'll get you the charts. We'll get you the PowerPoints or whatever it is that you want. But we've got to be intentional. We've got to be evangelistic. In what we do, as scripture says, do the work of an evangelist. Excited and enthusiastic people actually really don't need anything. Now I want to really get this home is one of my last points. When something great happens to you, something phenomenal, let's say, let's say you've been going for that super duper awesome job, it's like the greatest job you've ever had, uh, could ever have, and they call you and they say, uh, Mr. Meyer, we looked everything over and we really appreciated that you came in and we just really think you're a great match for this job and so we'd like you to start on Monday. And Rob's going to make $500,000 a year, he's going to have 16 weeks of vacation, profit sharing, and everything. Now you laugh, now wait a minute, he does, he gets that, no I'm kidding. Is that right, Brother Dresk? <laughs> now, does Rob need a course or some form of training or some testimony from another person who got a great job to call his wife on the phone and say, I got it! Yes! I got the job! No, he doesn't, does he? So what can I do to help you get to the place where you can pick up the phone and say, I got the Holy Ghost! God just saved my business! You've got to come to this church. You've got to see what God's doing. It's so exciting. A tornado blew through my neighborhood and God danced it around my house. Woo! Isn't that cool? What class do you go to get that? You see what I'm saying? You don't need a class to have that excitement. But when is it that we're going to remember And go back to the beginning and remember that when we first got the Holy Ghost, it felt like winning the lottery. That's what I'm talking about. Takes a little time to win people, so we got to build relationships and listen to them, intrigue them and excite them with your enthusiasm. The old adage says that sales is nothing more than just passing enthusiasm from one person to another. Right? Well, let's pass our enthusiasm and witness and tell what God's got going on. Right? Takes time, build relationships, fellowship, presenting the truth skillfully. I talked about learning to teach and, and Bible studies and great things and all that stuff, and we can have our musician come up. Uh, learning to teach Bible studies, get good at it, get to know people, get people involved in it. If you don't want to teach, have a friend that you know that you can call on and say, hey, I need you to come teach a Bible study. Dwight Davis used to do that to me all the time. He'd call me up and say, I got another Bible study, did you come teach? Okay, I'll come and teach. And I learned how. Be skillful. Once we do that and we start getting people here, those folks that came on Friday night, Colleen, when she comes, and the other people that are coming, we're going to disciple them. You know, the idea of the vision was to have a plan. It was to have a discipleship track 
so that when people came, the Launchpad Luncheon is a part of our discipleship track. If we can get them here, my goodness, how exciting is that? That they're here and they're dedicated and they keep coming. And they, they want to call this their home. What are we going to do? We're going to disciple them. And you saw that track. So we're going we're gonna to invite them to Bible study. And then the next step after that is, is Brother and Sister Barningham's class in, in foundations. And then after that, we've got men's ministry and ladies' ministry and, and, and continuing to help them build and become great Christians. Because you know what? If we allow them to, come, to, to bloom on the vine and then starve to death, what have we done? You know, babies have to be picked up and held in your arms and the milk has to be picked up and placed in there, right? And we got to them along for a little while before we get to start feeding them that gross, goopy stuff that comes in the little jars and, and the cheese crackers and all that stuff. My little niece is going to the childcare here and she's four months old and she, yeah, little Maggie, and they just started feeding her the little crackers and all that stuff and she's eating solid already. I'm like, oh my goodness. We have to help them plan to become, we have to plan to help them become new, mature saints and feed them and continue to disciple them through. We need to be intentional in our relationship, I said. We have multiple levels of opportunity for you to reach people, by the way, and it's coming. Our leaders session this coming November, November 8th and 9th, directors and leaders. We're gonna talk about the ways that we're gonna give you opportunities to reach people. Yeah, there's gonna be more harvest parties. There's gonna be other things that you can just casually invite people to. Now the first thing you can invite people to obviously is a service like this, but do you know that to some people out there, inviting them, you inviting them to your church is like them inviting you to come out to their tavern? Now it's for a lot of us, it'd be pretty distasteful for someone to invite us to a tavern to come and hang out with all that stuff going on, right? We, that's not really our gig. But to them, it could be just as distasteful because they just have this view of church and, and they don't understand. So if you can't get them to come to church, well, what if, what if we were holding some things here? It's at the church, but it's kind of a different thing. We call them our Strong Towers Ministries life groups. Someone in their life passed away in their mourning. Well, you know what? We've got a group here. We've got a grief counseling group that we have. So that second layer that you'll have available to you is to reach those people where they are with a specific need. Maybe they're dealing with horrible financial crisis in their lives and we ramp up our financial training course again and we bring them in on that level. You see what I'm saying? That's that second layer. How harmless is that? Hey, I know you're really struggling. You shared with me. We have this course that we're doing and we'd love to have you come down. There's a great group of people in there. And then our third level, the easiest one of all, is going to be our connect groups. The things that we can do in fellowship outside the church walls, things that we can do that are God-centered fellowships with common interests. Maybe there's somebody that you have, a friend of yours, God forbid, that loves bowling. <laughs> and we have a connect group that just goes bowling and they spend time doing that or whatever it may be. But you see, we live in a tough world now and people are very jaded and it's very difficult to contact them and work with them. And so what I'm saying, and you can stand this, this morning, you can stand. What I'm saying is that we're giving you these multiple levels because every chance we have to fellowship and show them God, show them what this life is about, we want to give you that opportunity. Because maybe they're in a fellowship connect group, but something happens in their life and say, you know what, we have a group at church on Wednesday nights that can minister to your need. 
and they're at that group on Wednesday nights and they hear a little bit of worship or we, they start meeting a lot of you folks and they start seeing what this thing's all about and they show up on Sunday morning. And then they participate in a worship service like we saw here this morning. And all of a sudden their life has changed. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's not rhetorical, by the way. Do you believe? Yeah. <laughs> okay, four people believe that God can do this. I have a challenge for you for the next three months. One quarter. I'm asking you to give me one quarter. This is Brother Cordell, and I'm, I'm asking every person in this room. In the next three months, and I don't know, I'm not dicing up who did, who doesn't, who does, who's up here, who, it's none of that. What I'm saying to you is this. For the next three months, I'm going to challenge you and myself in your time, allocate more to what God's got for you to do for the church. If there's an event happening here, there's morning prayer. Brother Matson, this morning, so mercy. What an awesome message. Awesome message. Praise the Lord. Our 10-10-10 services, powerful prayer. Be here. Give of your time. Three months. I'm just asking you to give me three months. Your talents, your abilities. Step up. Offer it. Just for three months. See where we can use you. See where God can use you. See what you can do. Just three months. Your treasures. If you give, but you don't tithe, consider it. If you tithe, but you don't give offering, consider it. If you tithe and you give offering, but you haven't given alms and made a commitment, consider that. Three months, that's all I'm saying. In January, we're going to kick off our promise project. That's going to be our alms giving, our sacrificial giving for the year that's going to go towards all of the improvements we want to do for the church, our outreach efforts, all the things that we want to do to become a beacon in this community. We want to turn the light on to this church. And I want it flashing like a lighthouse in this community. We're going to kick that off in January. And I'm going to ask you in the two-month period up to that, pray about what God's got for you to do. I believe this. At the end of that three-month period, God will have made moves in your life. He will have opened doors. He will have blessed you in ways that you did not expect. He will have provided for you. He will have done things for you that you'd be willing to come up and testify for. And all I'm asking you is just give me that three-month, that three-month challenge and do everything you can to give of God in all those facets. And finally, your testimony. In the next three months, every opportunity that you possibly can, share your testimony with people that you know. Call them up. Make that list. And say, I, just, I, just, I know we've known each other for a lot of years. I've never talked to you about my church very much. Can I just take 10 minutes and share my testimony with you? And just share it. And be done. Don't, don't set any expectations on them. Don't tell them you're bringing them to church. Nothing. Just share your testimony. And if you do that over and over and over again in a period of three months, I'm telling you, you're going to be an expert at it. You will be a powerful witness. You won't have to attend a class. You won't have to get a hold of somebody to teach you how to do it. You'll be like when Rob got his $500,000 job. You'll be willing to blurt it out and be excited about it again. In Jesus' name. God... Lord, we're so very thankful for you, Lord. We appreciate you as we come to the close, Lord, of this season of time that we are teaching on, on our giving and our, and our stewardship, Lord, our time and our talents and our treasures and our testimony. 
God, as we followed your will in this process, we've shared everything we possibly can to enrich our brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray that a great blessing upon this congregation right now, Lord. Lord, as I raise my hand across this entire place, every family, every soul that I see in my mind's eye, Lord, I pray a great blessing upon them, Lord, every single one. Open up the windows of heaven, Lord, fill their barns, Lord God, not just with money, not with just with goods, but Lord, with enrichment and freedom, and Lord, the ability, Lord God, to reach out and to reach and make a difference. Lord, fill them with belief and understanding. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.